It is the Chicagoverse podcast on the Dynasty Podcast Network, featuring interviews with Chicago's premier artists in industry and creatives and culture leaders. Hosted by Haima Black, welcome to Chicago. All right. Haima Black, Dynasty Podcast. Uh, we are live broadcasting here in Chicago and Pilsen from Dynasty Studios. And we are live on Facebook. I'm here today. Uh, with an old friend and a very accomplished professional, Jessica Rose. How are you doing? You know, we're going to talk about everything you're doing, but but how are you doing today? Yeah, thank you for being here. You are, you know, you're a PA, you're an assistant director, you're a storyteller, you are an author as of today. You do a whole lot. Bring us into kind of how you got started with everything you do, how you got into the creative industries, how you got into the film industry, all that. Yeah, I grew I grew up in music. I've been doing music for as long as I can remember. Really started doing it professionally around 12 or 13. And for a long time, that was the goal, was to work in music. And I did that in a lot of capacities. And through that, it led me to a place in Chicago called JBTV, yeah. which is, uh, you know, one of the longest running, if not the longest running, music television show in Chicago. And there, you know, I really had experience with bands and what a production was like as far as a concert goes, but that started bringing in a whole new element of cameras and many cameras and a film crew and a studio. So when I was there, I started learning about film a lot more. You know, anybody who's worked at JBTV can attest to the fact that Jerry is one of the greatest teachers you could ask for. And he will teach you anything you want to know if you're willing to spend the time there. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. And there I just really realized that I liked film. It was something I had considered before I went to Columbia for a brief period. And it wasn't until I was at JBTV that I thought, you know, film is what I really wanted to do. And through that, I started PAing on shows in Chicago. Did that for a couple years and became an AD and uh, decided that was the route for me, which, wow. you know, if you had told me that when I was doing music, I never would have believed that. But but, but uh, that's it, cool. It you Sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just saying like it's you totally had this like backdoor kind of career come out of your you know original focus. And I remember when you were doing all the music stuff and you were involved with JBTV um, you know, shout out Jerry Bryant, who's a legend in Chicago. But but that's really cool because now I feel like, you know, you went from being somebody who was kind of like, you know, behind the scenes in music, who is helping out to really, I feel like coming into your own and, and stepping up, I feel like, into more of your own established identity through your work in film. Would you say that that's fair? Yeah, definitely. There's you know, there's a confidence that comes with doing something for a while. And once I'd had an opportunity to be on set for a while, it just started being something that I, I definitely found a new voice being on set and being the person who runs things in a different way. You know, uh, doing talent relations in music is always very much uh, different than running a large scale production, you know, when you're just dealing with the talent. But when I look back, that all set me up for being an AD. You know, dealing with the talent is something I do now in my job. And there's so many pieces of all of that that came to help 
but it really was a, a weird route to working in film. Not a lot of people, I feel like, you know, spin off a whole career off what they thought would be their career. Uh, but I think it comes down to if you feel like the dream is changing a little bit and you have an opportunity to follow that, it, even if it's not the path to success that you thought you were going to be on, it's always worth exploring. And I'm, I'm really glad that I didn't listen to people who said, you've been doing music for like a decade. You should stick with that. And I decided after college really to do something new and it really paid off for me. So I think uh, that's something that I would encourage anybody to do is, you know, if you find something that you think is maybe the new path, explore it because you might find something that you like even better. Absolutely. It's never too late to pivot. That is a great lesson. Absolutely. And, and I completely agree with you. Now, we're going to talk about this book you uh, just released in just a moment, but let's get to right before the book kind of came into the picture. You know, before the virus hit, you were based, or not based, but you were working in New York on a film. You know, did that film get shut down? Did you get to finish that job? Like, what was it like kind of wrapping up, you know, that professional project? And then, and then entering into this kind of uncertain time where it's like, oh, wait, everything is shut down, including film and TV. We got very lucky. We wrapped right before everybody shut down. I would say it happened in the same week. And there was definite concerns on set, uh, you know, how things would progress with the pandemic and how would we all get home? And would we, would we end up even finishing the movie? So it was a really different experience in terms of you know, as an AD, safety is our biggest thing. This brand new novel thing being introduced and trying to figure out a way to combat it, you know, as you're doing it is right. a little bit difficult. You know, that's not normally the path I would suggest, you know, iron out the kinks before you put the plan into action. But with this, this wasn't, that wasn't an option. We really just had to keep moving forward and really every day it was assessing what was going on and making sure that no one was sick and that everybody still felt comfortable moving forward. But it was definitely a shift uh, unlike anything I've seen before as far as people being really concerned about, will we finish this movie? Will we get sent home? How will we get sent home? Will we right. be able to go home? Yeah, absolutely. You're right. I mean, thank God it wasn't filming on a cruise ship. You'd still be out there. So, yeah, for sure. Um, you have this new book that just came out uh, as of when we're recording this. It just came out yesterday. It is called How to Survive on Set, the Production Assistance Handbook. Um, a, congratulations on writing. And this is your first book, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So congrats on writing your first book. And you were working on this during the quarantine, right? During the shelter in place. Yeah. Quarantine is definitely what inspired me to get an idea going that I had had for a while. There's really not a lot out there for production assistants, specifically ones that work in the AD department. Those set PAs are what people stereotypically think of as a set PA, right? When they think about a movie and a production assistant. And 
the idea that they get coffee and that they hold umbrellas over actors and all of these things that are sometimes true, there's not a lot of detail about what they're responsible for. And what they're responsible for is a lot more than you would expect from someone who's kind of at the bottom of the rung as far as, you know, the film crew goes. They really do have a lot that's on their shoulders. And I wanted to put out something that wasn't out there that was a little bit of a guide for people who were just getting into it, who wanted to learn more because it didn't exist and I would have really liked to have it. So uh, I had been writing a document since I was a PA that was just stuff to do, stuff not to do, things I've learned. And when I became an AD, I started giving that to all my PAs because if nobody had told them before, I was trying to tell them uh, before they got on set with me. And I always wanted to turn it into a book. I had thought about it, but the quarantine and sheltering in place is what really gave me an opportunity to sit down and look through that guide and think about how to divide things up, what I wanted to talk about. Um, you know, cause it's, it's hard to go back to that place where you're a beginner and if I didn't know anything, what would I need to tell somebody? And so that was an interesting challenge for me was to go back to that beginner spot and think, what would I need to be told? What do I need to teach someone who doesn't know? Because it becomes so second nature to you on set that, you know, you can say a sentence that's completely Russian to someone who doesn't work in film that makes sense to you because you've been around. Uh, but that's not something that we walk onto set with. And I think most of us forget that, that everybody taught us what all those words mean at some point. And I wanted to do something kind of cohesive for PAs. And that's how the book came about. Now, A, like, I think it's incredible that you wrote this book during the quarantine because, and, and I want to cover everything you're just talking about, but it's like, at least for me, and I feel like for a lot of people, it was like, there was definitely this long moment of just like, wait, what the fuck? Like, what is going on? Like, did you have any shell shock when you first got back or were you just like, all right, this is the time I'm going to make use of this and I'm going to put this together. There was definitely shell shock at first. You know, we, we are born and bred on the phrase, the show must go on. So everybody shutting down simultaneously was not something any of us could have anticipated. And I don't think anybody up until the day that everyone shut down, I don't think everyone believed that we were going to have to stop. And so that was, it was just a, a really weird kind of new place to be in. But uh, once I started thinking about how much I missed set and how much I missed my PAs, I thought back to the book and I thought now could be the time to revisit that and spend all this time thinking about when I was new and what would I need to know and what do I want to teach the next generation of PAs or new PAs or PAs that have been around and maybe learned it a different way what would I want them to know so yeah and really uh yeah go ahead sorry no no, no. it's zoom is so weird because it's like you don't want to talk over anybody obviously um now you know you said that you started with this document you started with this document that you had been keeping for a while of just you're keeping track of what you're learning as you learn it 
when you started that document, did you have any idea that that was going to be something that like, let alone becoming a book, but even that you would be sharing with other PAs? Or was that really just kind of like your own Bible for your own purposes? I will say when I was a PA, I didn't like to give it out. It kind of felt like, you know, mine. And I didn't really like giving it out because it, it's a very competitive environment. And I thought if I give out this information, what if someone uses it to get the next job instead of me? And so I would say when I was a PA, I was much more protective of the document, even though I was, you know, I would teach people that on set every day as I met new PAs. The actual file was something I definitely didn't even think about sharing as a PA. But as soon as I became an AD, it became a no-brainer that it was something that I needed to give everyone because, you know, no one teaches you how to be a PA. You get taught on set as you're going. And while that works, and we've all become ADs that way, uh, I think if, if we had a little bit of a guidebook on, you know, what people can expect something they can refer back to if they're a little confused on terminology or a process for something. I think it'll help people just get better a little bit faster. And for the people who are interested in becoming ADs, I think it might help them move forward a little quicker and get better faster, which ultimately is what we want. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure it does. Absolutely. I've no doubt. When you started giving the, you know, the document to people, when you reached that AD status, like what was, you know, some college graduate or whoever's new to the set, what was their reaction? You know, when they sat down and they read it, were they just like, oh my God, thank you. Like you saved me so much time or I would have never figured this out on my own. Yeah, there was, there was a lot of that. You know, I've had people say no one's ever written down my job description for me before or what's expected of me before. This is the first time I've gotten it on paper. And people saying things like that to me got me thinking, it really should be written somewhere. One of us needs to take the time to suss this out. And, you know, filmmaking is uh, ever-changing and always growing and morphing. So, you know, I plan to do future revisions as things change. You know, maybe the next edition is going to have a whole COVID-19 chapter. You know, maybe that's going to be something that, we have to deal with going forward, hopefully not. But, you know, as things change, I want to make sure the information changes because, you know, as things evolve, we don't always get the memo. Uh, So I think putting it on paper is something that hasn't been done before. And I wanted to fill that gap of, you know, this pocket of information that's not really written down. It's kind of passed down from AD to PA and AD to AD. And, you know, as much as I loved learning that way and it makes you feel kind of a part of a secret club when, you know, you know things that other people don't know or you just kind of get things that other people don't get. But, you know, I think it's uh, much more beneficial to all of us long term if we get the information out there to whoever wants it so that our PAs can walk on set, you know, with as much information and as much confidence as possible. Well, and there's something really noble about that because, you know, you know this, like there's so many professionals who, you know, they reach a point of success and they say, okay, I can't tell anyone how I got here because, you know, they're going to come for my job. They're going to come for 
how I do this. They're going to stab me in the back. And I think it shows a lot of security and maturity to be like, I want to help other people. Like that's a really noble opportunity. That's a really noble pursuit, you know, and it reflects well on you. It shows that like you're really secure and you want to see other people succeed, which is like, that's, I think the whole goal is helping the next generation come up and be good at what they do. Yeah. And I, I think back to, you know, the first time being on set and, uh, there was a grip who came up to me and he asked me for a hot brick and I didn't know what that meant. And I just, you know, I was just like, I don't know what you're asking me, sir. And he told me that that meant a charged radio battery and that it was my job to have those. And I just remember thinking, oh, all right, where might one find those? And having no clue where to even start with what is a really very basic PA 101 task and terminology. And I thought back to that, that wanting to be there and wanting to succeed, but just not having anything except for a few sparse articles on the internet to go through that really don't teach you the intricacies of each position. And when I, when I started becoming an AD, I think that there was a kind of a seismic shift where it came, you know, I was competitive, competitive as a PA, but when I became an AD, I thought, you know, now it's my turn to turn around and teach all of the things that many, many people have taught me to the next group and maybe make it a little bit easier on them coming into things and maybe have just a stronger, you know, group of people to to choose from when we're hiring and uh, a bigger pool of people who may want to be ADs one day because that's not really one of the typical film jobs people aspire to when you talk to young filmmakers. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that, you know, like I, I teach over at Columbia College, I, I say that a lot on this podcast, but it's like, you know, I, I talk to a lot of my the class I teach has a mixed, you know, um, group of majors. So I get, you know, comedy majors and film majors, and everything to them is about YouTube, like that's kind of their goals, like they want to have like a successful YouTube channel. So it's probably different than even when you were coming up, where YouTube was not really so much kind of like the you know, the top tier for a lot of people. It was just a thing that existed for cat videos, you know. Um, in writing this book, you know, it, and and even just putting the notes together, but especially formatting it into a real cohesive book, what did you learn or relearn along the way? Or what did you have to reconsider and think, oh, wait, should I put this in? Uh, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of, do you come across this enough for me to put it in the book? Is it something very, very niche where I learned it as an AD and I never even came across it as a PA, uh, but it's a problem a PA might come across? You know, there's all sorts of things like that and definitely lost my train of thought. It's okay. Yeah, that's all right. Um, We can keep going. Um, and we can come back to, you know, what you learned from the book, because I I'm, have no doubt that revisiting a lot of these topics, you, you know, just had to oh. reframe a lot of things. Um, yeah, it was it was really, you know, getting down to what what did I think was the most important stuff to give out to people? What did I think they'd come across enough that it was worth mentioning? You know, the vocabulary was definitely the most difficult part of that, because I could spend an entire book talking about film terminology. So, you know, I had to think, 
what did, what did I hear on the radio when I was first around where I was like, what are they talking about? What are they asking for? Um, and just, it really was a, a test in going back and thinking about what didn't I know? Um, and what do I see people do wrong, you know, on shows that I'm ADing? A lot of stuff from the book came from me thinking about a mistake that a PA had made and, you know, something that maybe felt very catastrophic to them in that moment. You know, I tried to think of those moments and put them in, you know, as some knowledge from the last group to the next group, because like I said, no one really teaches you how to be a PA and you tend to, to learn in the fire. And anytime those fiery moments came up where I could think of a moment like that, I tried to put it in the book to save another PA from perhaps having that same moment. Well, and that kind of goes into my next question, which is like, you know, I guess, I guess it's a two part, like who would you say this book is for? And, and, and I know the, the short answer is like, you know, a PA, but like, you know, what type of person would benefit from this book? And what do you hope that people take away from reading this? I definitely wrote it for PAs who are PAs like me, who knew that they wanted to be ADs, who knew that that was the path because a lot of set PAs have a lot of different aspirations. They want to go into camera they want to go into electric and I love having them as well. I love teaching them as well, but there's something a little bit more special about training a PA that wants to be an AD and is something that someone that maybe I'm going to be an AD with one day. And, you know, I'm a little bit tougher on them and I expect a little bit more from them. And so I wrote this book for them because I do expect so much from them if, if they want to take on becoming an AD one day. So this really was my a gift to all of those people who, you know, like me thought, I really want to be an AD, but how am I going to learn all of these things? You know, it really depends on people having mercy and teaching you and bringing you onto shows and taking you under their wing. And I wanted to take just a little bit of that away, just a little bit of that you know, needing someone to teach you everything, you know, maybe having something on paper to learn from for those kids, because, you know, there's no real class on how to be an AD. There's no class on how to be a set PA. Uh, you know, there's some seminars and stuff around that will teach you how to change a radio battery and things like that. But even those, none of them get into the details of the staff positions. Um, which I talk about in the book, there's uh, the key PA, background PA, uh, who takes care of all the extras, the first team PA who deals with all the actors uh, on set, the base camp PA who deals with all the actors at base camp, and then the walkie distro PA who's dealing with all of these radios. And I wrote it for them because I feel like people don't give quite enough credibility um, to them. And to how much their position takes uh, planning and being on the ball and really paying attention all the time and, and having everything that you need in order. And I just wanted to do something for, you know, that group that didn't exist. Yeah, I think that's really important to make sure that, A, you know, that, that community, the PA community, and especially the newer PAs, that A, they are given a resource and B, that you're recognizing the work that goes into that because you know the work that goes into that. Because, you know, we whenever we go see a movie, right? Like, 
I mean, back in the days when we would go see movies, but even if you're watching Netflix, we watch the movie and then the credits start to roll. And, you know, maybe there's like some bloopers or whatever, or some extra Marvel stuff. But then once it gets to like, you know, key grip and, and whoever people are walking out of the theater or they're just waiting for, you know, again, if it's a Marvel movie, they're waiting for like whatever the post credits tag is. And a lot of these people get overlooked, even though, like you said, they're really making sure that everything runs. They're making sure that the actors are where they need to be, that everybody has the radio and, and all sorts of things that I don't even know about because I'm not in that world. So I think that's great that you were able to make sure that those people have a resource and really give them the recognition they deserve. Yeah, because even as I was writing it, once it once it passed the 100-page mark, you know, I, I did a little post to my PAs and I just said, next time anybody says you're just a PA, think about that that I could write a hundred pages about your job and still not encompass everything that you need to know. Like it is much more than being an errand boy or getting coffee and the things that typically people think a PA does. And, you know, it's, it's not easy to look after 300 radios for four months and make sure none of them get lost. Uh, but people, I don't feel like people give PAs quite enough credit for their responsibilities. So I definitely wanted to also kind of put it on paper, like they're responsible for a lot and you should give them a little bit more credit for all they do because without PAs, we're not making a movie. Nobody, you know, nobody's stepping down from their positions to, you know, go throw up a tent or put some chairs up or anything. Like those guys are the backbone that make it possible for us to walk on set and have things prepared and be ready. So, uh, you're I saying the Avengers actors do... aren't all doing that themselves. They're not out there no, in the rain no. and, and passing out walkies. No. Uh, although, you know, you do, you do have your actors that will try to help more than others. Um, but you, when you think about, you know, trying to keep, keep track of 20 cast members on set, that's not quite, quite as easy as people, think, you know, look after the actors sounds like a very easy job. Uh, but when it comes down to it, they're people with free will and you're on a film set and people can wander and they outnumber you. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> And they have egos. I, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they do. And, you know, it's definitely sometimes about uh, managing personalities of everybody on the set because PAs have to be everybody's friends. And I think that's something, you know, that is not credited enough either. You know, they have to be the ones that know everybody and smile and know everybody's names and are the will ones willing to pick up your trash or grab you lunch because you can't grab lunch. So it really was like a, a work of love for PAs. And, uh, you know, after I became an AD, I appreciated it even more than when I was a PA how much they do uh, and how much I come to depend on them as an AD. And I, I didn't really know that as a PA, I didn't realize how much they depended on me and leaned on me and needed me to have my things together because, you know, even if it seems like it's just my PA job, you know, your paperwork not being in the right place at the right time might make a, might make a difference, might cost you time, might cost you money. You never know. So, um, you know, PAs are responsible for a lot more than, you know, movies and TV shows that portray PAs, uh, yeah. you know, doing whatever, holding umbrellas over actors, give them credit <laughs> for. 
Yeah. No, I think that's great that you are recognizing that. And I only want to do one or two more questions because I don't want to take up too much more of your time. And I really appreciate you, you know, taking time to talk about this. So looking bigger picture, we're at this, you know, very interesting moment right now in really every industry, but certainly the film industry is no exception. You know, there is on the one hand, a greater emphasis on like inclusivity and diversity. And at the same time, certainly much more focus on, you know, sanitation and health and hygiene and everything around the virus. So, you know, what are your thoughts on all of these changes happening in the film industry and and all these, I would imagine, sets and teams now having to take a lot of things into consideration on top of everything else that goes into making a movie normally? Yeah, as far as inclusivity goes, my goal when I'm hiring and what I think everybody's goal should be when we're hiring for a film set is to make the crew look like the world that we walk around in. The world that we walk around in is people who are, you know, different genders, who are non-binary, people who are all colors, people who come from all backgrounds. That's the world I walk around in. And that's the world that I want to see represented within my film crew. So I really think that people, you know, need to take into consideration does this set look like the world I walk around in? Because most times that's not true. You know, as an AD, I can say there's many times at the beginning of pre-production when it's just department heads and keys there for pre-production that I'm the only woman at the table. And, you know, I do feel like it's my job to bring other women to the table and give them platforms and make sure that when we look around set, we can all see ourselves represented and we can, you know, people who are watching these films um, or who walk by a film set can look at, you know, the camera department and the grips and the electricians and look and see the diversity that they see in their schools, um, you know, in the store when they go out and in the world that they live in. So, you know, I think it's, it's something that maybe we just don't pay enough mind to currently but I'm hoping with the conversations that are going on, we start being more mindful of those things because it really does take us consciously making decisions to, to make our team look like that, to make our set look like that, um, because it's just not currently the way it is. So it's gonna take some work on our end, but you know, I've worked all over the US and even out of the country and you know, great filmmakers comes in all, come in all shapes, sizes, colors, backgrounds. Um, so, you know, they're out there. You just have to find them and give them an opportunity. And I, I hope to see more of that uh, going forward. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think co-sign everything you just said, and I think that's great. Now, you mentioned a little bit earlier that this is the first, you know, and you say this in the book too, that this is the first edition of the book. So, you know, do you see yourself going back and, updating this or do you see other you know writing projects or even you know other types of projects in your future like what's next for you for this book i definitely think of it more as a conversation than a work that i put out you know people do things a lot of different ways uh i had a different upbringing than some other ad's have in that i came up as a non-union ad instead of uh, you know, getting into the DGA, just doing set PA work, you know, I took a little bit of a different route. So my experience was different. So I want to hear from people who had 
the other experiences the who took the other routes that you can take to get to becoming an AD. And I want them to say, I've seen that done, but I like to do it this way. And this is why. And I want to put those in the book and keep making it evolve and make it more comprehensive and, you know, more of an asset to PAs as they're walking onto set because, you know, I, I did my best to think of everything, but when you think about everything that can happen to a PA, it's uh, it's really difficult to try to nail it all on paper. And I know people will read it and think, oh, I had an instance where this came up and I had to do this and I didn't know what to do. And it ended up causing a big problem for me. But now that I know, you know, I, I don't have that problem anymore. When I see that coming, I can handle it. And this is what I did. This is what I learned. I think you should add that in. And I want, I definitely want to hear from everybody who has something to say about it, who has something to add or that they would uh, like explained in more detail because, you know, it's, it's like filmmaking. Filmmaking is a conversation and it's always evolving. And so, you know, any book on filmmaking should, should do that as well. Um, and I would love to explore writing books for ADs one day. Uh, there's really only one book out there for assistant directors written by an assistant director. So I would like to, you know, explore that too going forward, maybe putting something out there for ADs because like PAs, uh, no one teaches us in school. No one has a class for us that teaches us how to be an AD. We learn it from being on set and being on a lot of sets for a long time. And, you know, that's good because, you know, there's just some things you can't get in the classroom and you get that through experience. But I do think if we could put a little bit more, you know, classroom-like material, a little bit of, you know, writing and experience behind it, I think you know, we'll only get better as, as a group. Yeah. A hundred percent conversation going. I think that's great. And I'm excited to see, you know, the future editions you put out and the other books that you put out or any other materials. And I think, you know, I have a deep respect for the idea of, you know, again, like bringing up the next generation, empowering them, providing knowledge, because that's about as helpful as you can be is like, you know, yes, it's helpful to get someone a job, but if you can inform them and educate them, they can carry that with them indefinitely. And that opens all these doors or make sure that they don't make a silly mistake that suddenly ends their career when they might be the next great talent. So I think this is awesome. And I can't wait for, you know, people to check the book out and, and for everything that's going to happen from this. This is really cool. Uh, Jessica Dean Rose uh, the book is called How to Survive on Set, the Production Assistant's Handbook. You can get this on Amazon as a paperback. You can get it on Apple Books as an ebook. And jessicadeanrose.com is the website. Thank you so much for taking the time and talking about this with me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. It's great. It's great seeing you. It's been, you know, we haven't seen each other since all of this craziness happened. And it's yeah. nice to stay connected through technology, through all this craziness. I know. Thank God we have Zoom. Can you imagine going through this whole thing without Zoom? We would be, it'd be over. Yeah. Um, the, but this, I mean, the memes we would have missed out on a lot. <laughs> exactly. Uh, this is awesome. I can't wait to sit down and read the book because I just enjoy reading things that even if I'm not in that industry, like I just, I like learning because I'm a dork. So this is great. Can't wait to read the book. JessicaDeanRose.com. That's where people can find out everything about it. Um, can't wait to see what's next, man. Take care. Thank you so much.
Thank you. You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcasts. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the dynamic dynasty, Dynasty Descend.